Hello guys, this is episode two of our weekly podcast. Uh, I would like you greet our hosts. Sergei is here and Tina, our usual hosts of this podcast. And I also would like to introduce you to our special guest today. It's Mackenzie. Hello, Mackenzie. Hi, Dimitri. Thanks yeah. for the intro. It's good to have you on the show today. I'll just start with the question okay. r- right off the bat. Let's hear it. Okay, so you... I forgot to say hi. Sorry. Hi, hi. Hi, guys. We're here. <laughs> we're, we're present. <laughs> Okay, so Mackenzie, as far as I know, you came all the way from the Sunflower State in the US only to find yourself in another state that is renowned for its vegetation. So (laughs) tell me. What kind of vegetation are we talking about? So tell me, tell me. The legalized. Yeah, yeah. No, Dmitry, first tell me how many hours you spent on thinking about this question. uh, It's got to be a good question, right? Uh, To to set the tone right for the rest of the episode. So my question is, what made you to trade a sunflower for a tulip? And how did you go about executing this deal? Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest. I'm speechless. Yeah. I need a minute to compose myself. After Bar this, is in like, heaven. This deep research into the flora and fauna of my homeland. Like, wow. Yeah. So to be honest, I never felt, well, not never, but the connection I felt to where I'm from isn't so strong and so I was looking for somewhere new to be. I used to live in Spain, in Madrid, and I went back to the US after living there for three years and I thought I'd only be there for six months and then we had this whole pandemic, blah 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 thing, you know, love that. But so I ended up staying a bit longer and it honestly just made me more excited to come here to the Netherlands. But I yeah, I don't really know that I knew what I was getting myself into, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just sort of a I'll try it out, stay for a year, maybe more, depending on how much I like or don't like it. And yeah, well, here I am still here. So I liked it enough to stay, but the tulip, the tulip is a good, a good upgrade in my opinion. Can we hear a few words about the weather? Your take on the weather. Yeah, my take on the weather. Uh, Let's say, I think I appreciate a sunny day more now than I ever have in my life. Like I, I am truly like the flower when the sun comes out. I just like stick my head out the window like, yes, amazing. It's a bit of a pressure to like enjoy the nice days because there aren't so many. But yeah, shit weather made me stronger. I, buy, I bought rain pants so I can cycle no matter the weather. But uh, no, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan. But the summer, the summer is beautiful. We're almost there. I guess you appreciate summers more after yeah. being in cold for like nine, nine months and then yeah. you have like this three months of summer and it feels better when it's like in southern countries where it's just always warm. always sunny yeah sherlock yeah <laughs> genius genius analysis i completely agree no it's not that it's that cold here it's windy it's gray and it's yeah. wet. Yeah. It's not that cold. Actually, yeah. it seems like you're becoming a proper Dutch person, person uh, yeah, because you have a rain pants, yeah. uh, <laughs> you stick your arm to the sun. I mean, that's what we're all going to do if we stay in the Netherlands. Exactly. You have so to be, adapt. Be prepared for that. But tell us a little bit from your background before Spain. So we all know that you're from the US, but I yes. guess now our listeners are not aware of that. So Yeah, so I'm from the US. I grew up in a suburb near Kansas City. 
And I mean, Kansas City itself is not that big of a city. It's like the whole metropolitan area is like a million people, and that's counting the, yeah, the suburbs also, maybe a bit more depending on how big of a circle you draw. And certainly when I was a kid, like the downtown wasn't that developed. It is a lot more now, but the experience I had growing up was not urban at all. It was very stereotypical US suburbs. So yeah, I don't know. The Everything was quite different than here, to be honest. I mean, the driving culture, the the way of life, the people I knew, everyone was very homogenous, whereas here... Homogenous. Homogenous. Yeah, let's see. I'm, I'm Dutch. She's I'm Dutch. Dutch. In that She's too. turning into real Dutch. <laughs> Talk to us about your educational slash professional background before coming to the Netherlands, maybe in Spain. What yeah. did you do? What kind yeah. of education did you pursue before? Sure. So I studied my bachelor's degree in Madrid at a very small American university. It was like a campus in Spain of a US based university. Super small. I double majored in political science and economics. Yeah, yeah political, science. political science. That's right. I kind of hated it though. For political science, I had to take an econ course and I was like, wow, this is so much better, but I'm an overachiever, so I'm going to do both. So yeah, I did that. And then I moved here actually to study a master's degree, a one year program in urban management and development. Shocking. Wow. wow. I know. That's how we met. That's how we met. <laughs> That's yeah. how I met your mother. <laughs> what, a, what a meet cute. What um, a meet cute. Yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. But what, what, what was the underlying reason of you moving from the Spain, the sunny weather, double degrees, to the Netherlands? <laughs> what was the... The motivating factor? Well, I mean, it was to study and it was also to try something new. I wanted, I wanted to study a master's program and I wanted to do it in a language I spoke, which at that point was either Spanish or English, and if I wanted to do it in English, and also in Europe, my choices then became even <clears throat> smaller, so that's how I ended up here. Though to be honest, I'm not the kind of person... Both moving to Spain and moving here were kind of like a why not decision for me. I didn't really have like one big motivating thing that I was like, yes, that's why I'm going. It was more like, ah, I don't really have anything to lose, sounds kind of nice. It'll put me on a on an interesting path. Let's go for it. And if I hate it, I can leave. Mm-hmm. And that was that was kind of my attitude about it. So yes. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, employment opportunities? What was it part of your reasoning? Uh, yeah, in definitely. terms of like future career prospects yeah, once yeah, you graduate sure. and the uh, salary expectations. That's the main reason I actually wanted to study a master specifically in Europe is because I wanted to stay longer and work here for a few years and unfortunately that's the easiest way to do it I think or easier is having studied here and having that connection it makes it a lot easier so that was actually probably my biggest motivation was like okay what can I do to get a job and stay because one if I would have studied in the US I would have had a shit ton of debt and two I I would have coming here would have been a lot more difficult or I would have had to wait longer till I was like higher up in my career and had more credentials and was more of like a, a sought after employee. Whereas if I studied a master's here, it's like a bit of a foot in the door, let's say. So, Back. so you wanted to stay in Europe and yeah. uh, now I guess you still want to stay in Europe, but are you thinking of staying in the Netherlands longer or what are your plans? Yeah. I mean, actually, I was just reflecting on this earlier. I think I do want to stay for a while. I think I have a bit more to learn and do here another year, at least maybe two. Beyond that, I'm not sure, but yeah, as much as there's things that I like here and people I like here, I don't know that I have like a really deep feeling for the country. Like yeah, I don't, horror. yeah, horror. I don't really like deeply love it. So I do think I will end up somewhere else for sure. 
but I'm not sure where yet. One step at a time, Sergey. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going somewhere else, but I don't know where yet. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's all a, right. He's a Capricorn, but would you expect we, that? Astrology is banned on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, that's not fair. It is. Astrology is, is, a, is a cosmic racism. Pseudo-science. Well, I am a Capricorn too, hello. No, it's, it's basically, I see that races can be ethnic and cosmic. It's okay. the wow, same for me. that's a... Uh, I'm, I'm going to explore that take at another time. Yeah, so <coughs> all our listeners who are into astrology, I'm so sorry, but please... Well, but there is no system to oppress people based on their uh, exactly. astrology. We're just joking, we're just joking. Okay, but Sergey could create one, so I believe. Everyone, everyone are welcome. To, I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do whatever you like. But anyway, can you please describe us your main, I don't know if you can name it cultural shock or just kind of things that struck you, struck you the most when you came to the Netherlands comparing to Spain and to the US? Okay. To Spain, certainly the feeling of being more closed off is wild to me like living in spain some of my closest friends it i knew them for like three years before i ever went to their house like because we always met at a bar somewhere or a restaurant or just like in a park or out in the world and here it's like i think well this is my first time in your apartment sergey but almost everyone else <laughs> it's like within within a few months weeks days of knowing them it's like that's how you That's how you hang out and that's what you do. And so that to me was like a weird thing to get used to. It's certainly more financially reasonable here, so I'm not complaining, but that was super different. And actually my context is, I'd say I compare things here with Spain more just because I left the States when I was 18 and I haven't ever really lived there as like a normal adult. I was there for like a year and a half, but it was during COVID and like, that was a different world. I was living in my parents' basement. Like I love them, but it was, <laughs> it was a different thing. Just hanging out with them and their friends, you know, oh, like my. drinking mm. wine in the driveway with like a bunch of 40, 50 somethings. Loved it, but you know, <laughs> how much can you really love that? So, so you're basically, your story is coming from the basement to the country below the sea level yeah, yeah. we can see the transition i'm, I'm like an underground i'm an underground kind <laughs> of woman person. i guess yeah <laughs> well, that's interesting how you compare like spain and the netherlands because my uh, expectation would be to hear you saying how the dutch society is kind of closed off slightly you know mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. that was my impression and i would expect you know a, a country with a nice climate, like a good weather, to yeah. be a little bit more open, but your experience is completely different, I guess. Yeah, at least in terms of like people's personal space, just because, yeah, I mean, I think it's sim I mean, it's similar to here. I was living in Madrid, which is big city, small apartments. So it's like, if you want to do something big and social and invite everyone, it's, you're not going to do it in your house. So I think it's more about personal space, but yeah, culturally speaking, people-wise, I'd say in terms of like making local friends, I found it quite similar, to be honest. In both places, people have sort of groups that they know from school, from university, from whatever like phase in their life before they met you, and that's where a lot of their close friends came from. And so I think, I think that's really similar between them. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I also agree with Tina. I kind of expected maybe a little bit of different answer because here in the Netherlands, at least for me, I think we need to divide the expat community yeah, and the sure. uh, mm -hmm. local community and sure. local people because I don't know about you guys but I don't have much of the Dutch friends and on the other hand I have a lot of friends from all over the world who live in the Netherlands yeah what about you yeah I have the same experience I'd say most of the Dutch people I know I know them like through someone else or through my job which 
they're nice people, but I wouldn't necessarily call them my friends, you know? I work with them, and I see them often, and I kind of know them. We talk over lunch, but they're not really friends. But the friends I have that are Dutch, yeah, it's like someone's roommate that now I know them a bit better, but it's kind of hard to meet people, I, I think, that are mm -hmm. properly so locals. And yeah, compared to Spain, I'd say that was a bit different. I think it's also unique to being here in Rotterdam that there's such a big expat community that like, we're not really a novelty. We're not interesting at all, whereas in Spain, there, in Madrid particular, there are still a lot of people from other places, but not nearly at all as, as here. So in that sense, it was like kind of interesting to people that I was from somewhere else and choosing to live there, especially for a longer period of time. Like there, it's much more common to do like a university exchange. Someone's there for six <clears> months, whatever. Whereas here, yeah, you meet a lot of people from all over the world that they they're here and they're here to stay. It's not just a short-term thing or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Dutch people, they're not really impressed. If you're no. from another country, they're like, okay, whatever. Good for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us about the employment opportunities. Like, talked about, about about job search process. How did you find your current job? Did you apply to some other positions? How did yeah. it go for you? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think this is something that I would refer to as false advertising or maybe I was misled. maybe I was misled or maybe I was just too gullible I don't know I think I was made to believe it would be easier than it actually was to find a job here to be honest like if you have a certain background or or uh, yeah I don't know there are certain factors that do make it maybe easier and I, I certainly think it's easier here than in, in other European countries let's say but it's certainly not easy for one, I was made to believe that speaking Dutch was significantly less important than it actually is. Like, I ran into that a few times with jobs where I'd even have an interview, talk with someone, and they'd say, yeah, we do quite a lot of work in English, but yeah, we still really need you to speak Dutch. And I'm like, well, why'd you waste my time? You know, like, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity, but now, nah, like, what, what the heck, guys? But yeah, I I think I also got lucky with finding my current job. It didn't take me as long as I know it took some people, but I did apply for a lot of things. I did not hear back from most of them. And in the end, yeah, I'd say I started looking in April, May, and I had a job in August. And that's a pretty fast timeline, I think, which mm -hmm. even still is like, what, it's three months, four months? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is a pretty, so, pretty fast, especially, fast. especially considering the summer season, maybe because, I don't know, based on my experience, in July, in August, companies are not so... Yeah, I mean, I didn't start till the end of September, but by August, in August, I knew I had a job, and then I started right. later, but yeah, it was, it was a bit weird in that sense. I do, I also work for quite a small company, and so I think that's part of it, too, that their whole process was just faster. I mean, I had two interviews, and then they offered me the job. Mm because I didn't have to go through first the HR department and then mm. the manager and then another interview and then write up a whole, whole business plan for them that then they're going to use even when they don't hire you, you know? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I've uh, heard about that too. The bureaucracy I kind of yeah. avoided, which I think worked out in my favor, but... Yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess there is a very big difference between Europe and US that here it's harder to find a job, but it's also harder to fire you. Yeah, for sure. So mm -hmm. it works both both ways. But uh, how, to what extent your current job is connected to your master program? Exactly. Our yeah, master program. Our master, <laughs> our master program. I would say significantly less than I 
expected, wanted, whatever, hoped for. I work in consulting and I am basically a grant writer and we have all kinds of clients and they do tend to give me more like social and development related projects and so I use some of what I know, learned, whatever, but I also use a lot more my like economics business degree knowledge and even even just my existence as a person who reads about a lot of random topics like I I couldn't even tell you the the number of random things I've worked on and like it's it's nice it's entertaining but also at the same time yeah I do I'd eventually like to do something a bit more related but no it's not super connected a lot of the skills I learned are applicable like I do a lot of writing and having written so many papers and stuff in university coming from a I don't know a less technical more yeah, I don't know. Liberal artsy type background is definitely mm -hmm. something I use at work, but like the specific topic, yeah, definitely not every day. Sometimes yes, but not always. So not specifically like urban economics or... No, no. Sometimes yes, but not really. Like it depends on the project. Sometimes in in certain projects we have like a municipality that's a partner or like it's more related to... I don't know, gender equality, social developments type stuff that I did study and I do know about, but it's it's not so direct, the mm -hmm. connection, I would say. So now you've, work, you've been working for quite some time, and yeah. what can you say about the Dutch work culture? What's it like in your yeah. experience? Well, I would say that's something else interesting, that my work environment, I would say, is quite authentically Dutch. Besides myself, there's one other expat and the rest of them are all Dutch. And the other guy, he's from Italy. So like he's at least European, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm the most I'm the most foreign maybe in Exo some ways. Exotic. I'm the most exotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Sometimes I like I have a lot of my international friends here in the Netherlands are, are from Latin American countries and sometimes I feel like I'm the one bringing like the Latin American warmth and flavor to the office, which like is not me at all, but r relative to the Dutch, sometimes I feel that way. It's like, wow, I'm, wow. Quite, I'm quite Mediterranean in some way. Yeah. <laughs> have you tried to deep in bitterbone in salsa? <laughs> no, but that's that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a that's an innovative idea. No, I mean, yeah, the Dutch work culture. I don't know the the bread and spreads and cheese for lunch every day. I do not I do not participate. I bring my own lunch from home. I microwave it, and literally, not every day, but almost every day, at least one of my coworkers, if not more of them, like look at my little Tupperware and they're like, mm, "What'd you bring today?" And I'm like, "Guys, you could also eat, you know, like warm, nice food for lunch. Like, it's possible." Anything's possible. <laughs> yeah, Dutch, Dutch cuisine is not very famously advertised, no. but yeah, I mean, a sandwich with, with cheese, that's the way to go. Yeah, some nice pate on like soft sandwich bread every day. I like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Okay, do you remember there was a guy, we won't name this, we won't name him. Uh, <laughs> he was a part of IHS staff, our university. Okay. And yeah. I've heard a story from our mutual friend, he's also American, how he encountered him next to the elevator. And this worker just put out a sandwich from his pocket without any, like, foil. Like, no, it wasn't wrapped in it wasn't foil wrapped. Yeah, yeah. plastic. No it was foil, just a, just, just a, sand, just a, a bread. Sandwich in the pocket. Yeah, yeah, in the pocket and started, Look, started eating it. I tried to do this whole Dutch, like, eat on the go thing 
that they, that you hear about, you know, I was like cycling, it was a weekend and I was cycling to the market to go buy my groceries and I was eating like a snack bar on my way out the door and I was like, you know what, people eat while they cycle, I can do it. No, I dropped like the last two bites <laughs> while I was like turning and I was like, well, shit, oh I, I'm not trying that again. No, no. Yep. There are limits, okay, there are limits. I appreciate convenience, but also like, enjoy your life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're so good at multitasking, right? Like combining, you know, or cool. maybe uh, the, the Dutch, you know, the Dutch culture. But also, like, I feel that Dutch people have this utilitarian view on, on food. Yes. Food, food is not a big part of the... Food is energy yeah. and nothing more. Exactly. But for some... I think they appreciate, cultures... they appreciate good food, but, like, they're not going to spend extra time on mm-hmm. it, you know? Like, if yeah. someone brings them, like, a nice homemade... This is a perfect example. When it's my coworker's birthday, they bring in like a cake or something. They always buy something from Albert Heijn. I'm like, guys, <laughs> come on! Like at least go to a real bakery or I don't know, make, make it at home. Like even make it at home from a box from Albert Heijn. You know, like just a little extra love. I think for your birthday, I bought you a cake from Albert Heijn. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it's my birthday in the office, I'm breaking this. I'm breaking this tradition. I'm gonna bring something homemade in, and I'm gonna shake things up. You always bring something homemade for yeah. Alice's birthday. That's yeah. That's yeah. Good. That's nice. I don't know. Maybe you have any useful tips and tricks for the people who are thinking of coming to the Netherlands or who are already living in the Netherlands. Our age, our kind of similar way it's, of living. Yeah, backgrounds, experiences. Yeah. Mm. What tips do I have? Get a bike. (laughs) Get a life. Get a bike where you won't have a life. No, for real though, in my list of like pros and cons before I moved here, the biking thing was a big con because I hadn't done it since I was a kid and I had kind of like a small traumatizing bike accident as a late child, early teenager. And after that, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore because it was just for fun. And I was like, I don't need a bike to get anywhere. I just won't ride a bike. And so then when I moved here, it was like the first time in more than a decade that I had to ride a bike regularly and like in traffic. And I forced myself to do it. And I'm so glad I did because if I didn't like, I would truly be suffering. But yeah, it was scary. And I definitely needed like uh a guide the first couple months. I refused to cycle anywhere if someone wasn't coming with me because I couldn't manage to like check the directions, also cycle well, also signal when I was turning. That's hard. It's hard, it's hard. And I mean, I got hit by a car, I got hit by a scooter, I've been hit by other bikes, and look at me, I just got right back on, kept going. Resilience. How's your experience with the Dutch healthcare system after being hit? Well, I mean, the the GP was like surprisingly nonchalant when I called and was like, hey, I got hit by a car, can I come in? tomorrow morning and just like make sure everything's okay you know <laughs> and they were they were like surprisingly chill about it let's be honest i was they, i don't even know if they recommended me paracetamol paracetamol <laughs> which is like the the typical joke i don't even know if i got that treatment i just got like yeah you're fine but uh, yeah i think you have to be demanding that's my other tip actually is if you're demanding if you know what you want they they will help you but if you just go in there and say a problem and don't offer a solution they also will not offer you a solution yeah <laughs> i mean like in general but i don't know i i grew up feeling that way my mom worked in healthcare so like i i feel like i have a pretty decent knowledge of advocating for myself in this area and if i didn't have that coming here i i would have to practice it a lot more actually that's another genuine tip i would say be demanding mm-hmm. at the gp mm-hmm. be be bossy they can, ha- they can handle it, and it will actually help you more than if you just show up and say, ah, this hurts. That's not going to get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
maybe a few words about your future plans. Do you plan to stay in the industry you're right now? Or would you like to, you know, continue with grant writing or... Yeah, I mean, I think eventually I'd like to transition into something more urban economics related because that's my that's my background. I think I, I think I'm learning a lot in my current job that I hope I can apply elsewhere. But as for staying in this specific place, mm, for now it's good, but it's not where I I will be forever. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still working out the details of what exactly I'd like to do, but. A lot of our clients are non-profits, and I think someday that's more the, the direction I'd like to go, work okay. for a more yeah, non-profit foundation type of organization focused on, yeah, something related to cities, and, you know, I can be the, the, the numbers lady. The next or, or mayor of Rotterdam? The next mayor. I don't want to take, I don't want to take the mayor's job. Everyone loves him. I mean, it's a democracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, actually, it's not. That's not how it oh. works. The mayors, the mayors are appointed. Exactly. No, I mean, but appointed by... By, by someone who elected the municipal... Yeah, uh, but still, they're not going to appoint me. I've met the mayor, but he was a nice it's guy. It's a cool guy. Oh, yeah. You have, yeah, con- you have connections. Cool wow. I do have connections. I got, cool. a, I got a bottle of wine, actually, from the, like, the secretary of the mayor. Usually it goes the opposite way, but... I presented him my facts, and they said thank you, and gave me... It's like a reverse corruption. <laughs> yeah, it was like reverse corruption. Okay, don't imply that about our beloved city. No, no, we all the love city Rotterdam. we call home. Actually, today is a special day for Rotterdam, because within an hour... That For an ord! Yay. Who is playing against who? Um, who the go the go ahead Eagles. Yeah, that's that's, the, that's, that's the team. That's Nobody the team cares. name. All you no, need to know is Nobody the name. Like, how stupid. How but stupid. the thing is, if Feyenoord just wins this game, they're gonna win the whole ch- like the national league. And uh, yeah, so we jump in the fountain, baby. To, tonight, yeah, so tonight's it. gonna be a crazy night, but tomorrow it's gonna be a crazy celebration. I think. People from like nearby cities will come here. It's gonna be cr- like crowded, chaos, chaos, absolutely chaos. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So the Dutch people, I think they can party when they when they have an occasion. But otherwise, in my in my experience, they're quite cold. No. Yeah, they can be. I think in terms of when they have an occasion to party, that's totally true. I think that can be quite make quite a mess and have quite a. Even a negative reputation amongst themselves, that's something my coworkers complain about. They're like, yeah, when you're on holiday and like the crazy Dutch people who just like drink a lot at the resort or whatever, <laughs> like apparently that's a thing. And I think they do, they do get that way. I mean, King's Day, case in point, the Feyenoord, if they win, also a, a great Even example. Even if they lose, breaking shit, starting fires. Oh yeah. I don't know, Tina, maybe you want to ask some questions about the dating scene. Ooh, my personal Ooh, life. Ooh. Talk to us about it, girl. Well, yeah, I have one I have one very recent story, as in literally, I guess technically today. He can listen to our podcast. He can, I'll send him the link. <laughs> I'll send him the link. I'll send Do him it. the link. So, like, okay, last summer... Can you, sorry, can you put the link on your all of your, like, Tinder Hinge profiles? Just so <laughs> No, 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 no. That's part of that's part of the story, Sergey. Is that last summer I haven't been on like a hinge Tinder whatever date Bumble what have you in like months now. I gave up. But last summer I did a, a quite quite a few, let's say, and I went on a date with this Dutch guy. First we planned it, and then like. 
he had something at work that like was going late, a big project, and he's like, ah, oh, can we do it a different day? And I was not that motivated. So yeah, I said, yeah, sure, fine. And then I think we rescheduled it maybe another time too. And in the end, it's the day comes, we're supposed to meet for a glass of wine. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'm like, I could not be less excited about this. And I think he could tell when we get there. And I'm like, clearly not excited about it. But it turned out to be nice. We had a great conversation. I drank two glasses of wine, but there, the sparks were not flying. It was well, the opposite of sparks. Because it was not sparkling wine. Maybe that's why we needed to be drinking some oh, kava man. and then it would have been a different <laughs> situation. Uh, next time, next wow. time. So anyway, I have this opposite of sparkling, non-sparkling conversation with this guy. It was nice, enjoyable, whatever, but both of us were like, yeah, no, this is not going anywhere. We can be friends, but that's it. Because I was telling him, oh, I've been here for almost a year now, but I don't know that many Dutch people per the whole expat of it all, you know? And so in the end, we text each other like, yeah... Glad we agree, like, not happening, but if you want to do something as friends sometime, sure. And I was like, yeah, same, sounds great. He never texts me, I never text him. This was literally, like, May or June last year. And last night at two in the morning, he replied to my message and said, so this went well, didn't it? And I was like, yeah, we're clearly best friends now. I haven't heard from you in literally a year. Was this a dare? Like, what's Maybe happening? he had uh, this reply in his agenda, like, Maybe. agenda. Yeah, in his Dutch agenda, he had to, like, follow up with Mackenzie. Like, at 2 a.m., yeah. Yeah, yeah, 2 a.m., super logical on a Saturday. But, like, this is the thing. It's like, at 2 a.m., you think it's, like, a booty call or something, right? Exactly. But, like, I literally, this guy and I literally, like, shook hands. We're like, yeah, no sparks. So, like, why the fuck is he texting me I mean, maybe he has a different uh, time in his life. Maybe he's, like, going through all the... Maybe, maybe, maybe the sparks come half a year later maybe you know? yeah the dutch take their time <laughs> yeah. he hasn't even seen me he doesn't even follow me on instagram i think i changed my whatsapp him. picture so he's seen like what one new picture of me yeah, <laughs> he remembered you that's important that's important i'm memorable yeah so. yeah the dutch tinder scene is not so popular not so exciting, exciting. i guess but uh, yeah guys if you have any other questions go ahead or if you have any other tips tricks experiences whatever let's do the closing remarks All for right. this episode yeah well what can i say i mean it was really interesting to hear your story it was very think beneficial for our potential listeners yeah who future, will, future yeah listeners. who are thinking about moving to the netherlands or already here and now they can relate to some of the stories that we yeah well okay I, here. Can, I, can i say one hopeful thing like if you're thinking if you're thinking of messaging someone from a dating app like months and months and months later in this case it didn't work out for him but one of my friends she's dating her boyfriend and this is, this is exactly what she did she matched with this guy and didn't message him for like four months and then was like hey <laughs> i still think you're kind of cute let's go on a date whatever and they went out and now they're like a properly a couple oh that's so a happy ending. so the the reaching out much later it can work but i really don't recommend it that has nothing to do with being dutch just like um, yeah mm -hmm. i just wanted to offer you know another side of the story that's, uh -huh. what yeah. with the job hunt actually that's another thing wow. I, i tried that also over the summer i applied for a job had this whole me and me and his name's walter shout out to walter if you listen to, <laughs> shout out to walter listen to this podcast i had a great chat with this guy from the company walter and he told me he's like yeah we're doing more and more work in english like let me get back to you and then in the end he told me nah we really need you to speak dutch and i was like okay fine 
But, like, six months later, they posted more jobs, and so I, I reached out to him, and I was like, hey, any chance it's fine that I don't speak Dutch now? And he was like, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> no sorry. <laughs> but he was really nice about it, and it, it was worth a try, I felt like, but it didn't, it didn't work out for me either. So maybe maybe there's a lesson here of just, like, in general, don't reach out so much later. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's not a very optimistic note. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but in general, maybe you have like, you know, this... Uh, the most important advice for people who already know that they're coming to the Netherlands or who really want to come to the, to the Netherlands, what would you say? My most important advice, if you're already decided that you're coming... Well, I mean, it's super basic, basic, generic, whatever, but like... Have an open mind. I don't know. Like, <laughs> what to say? There's a lot of pressure to come up with my best advice. Is it your description on the Tinder profile? Have an open mind? No, actually I have the opposite of an open mind. Well, I told you, I'm not doing that. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Put, turn on all the filters of like, you know how you can filter by language? Like select everything but Dutch, you know? And then that's how you find other expats. If that's what you're after. Oh not God. talking from experience, but like it works. No. Oh, if you know you're coming here, I think, well, find a house. Find, <laughs> find a house. Yeah, that's yeah. the most valuable yeah. advice yeah. thing. Be before you have a house, the it's better not to come here. Once mm -hmm. you have everything or, secured. Or at least, like, secure something to stay for, like, a month, you know, while mm -hmm. you look. Or if you know, even if you know a friend of a friend who can, like, help you out somehow just a little bit. It's so stressful, <clears throat> to be honest. And, I... and if you cannot afford the housing, maybe just call your parents. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> okay. This is a joke, this is a joke. Maybe, maybe. Or, or, or in that case, you should date a Dutch guy, because then you can move in with him. Or a Dutch lady. Uh, mm -hmm. A Dutch person. Whoever you want. Yeah. yeah. Go from, yeah. go from. Use, use all the Partner sources. to roommate. The partner to roommate pipeline is how you make it in the Netherlands. Yeah, that's a very valuable piece of advice. Yeah, so Same. don't be just restricted by your whatever career or studies. Look for all the options. Everything works here. Yeah, do you know what they call that? An MRS degree. MRS degree. Okay. Mrs. MRS, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Oh, like a oh, master's. Okay. Like a master's is an MSc. Oh, and you get married. Oh, oh, MRS. MRS oh, degree. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so come to the Netherlands looking for one of those, and then oh, you'll yeah. be settled with the visa, with housing, with with maybe the language. And maybe the they can teach you. Yeah, or at least you know, residency. It's okay, not, I, okay, okay. Easy. This is not. This is not real advice. Do not take this. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like all the disclaimers in the world. Like, <laughs> yeah, do yeah. not use this against me. Dutch like, government won't <laughs> like it. Yeah. But there is no one way to make it in the Netherlands. So there are like so many ways that you can yeah. Yeah, reach your goals. Yeah. yeah, I think mm. you can. I think that's true. I think there's more flexibility here than than I expected. It's more difficult than I expected, but also it is quite a flexible place, and there is quite a number of of options. Precis. Uh, so Prima. we want to thank you, our special guest. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a really fruitful conversation. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Mackenzie, for coming to our podcast today and sharing your story of how you made it to the Netherlands and compared to Spain and other countries you've been to. I hope our podcast listeners will find it useful and somehow, you know, 
yeah, useful and helpful. Practical, practical. for their experiences. And gezellig. Exactly, exactly. Hey, last pig the gas. All right. That means too bad, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Let's all wrap up and go watch football. Wrap up and fuck off. Exactly.